read Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Matthew 13, starting in verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same is he, and heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth fruit forth, some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Amen. Please turn to Luke chapter 8. And be ready to turn around a little bit between the parallel passages of this parable that we're studying today, the parable of the sower. Luke chapter 8, though, we'll start there. Just to let you know quick, we're going to go over to Matthew 13 in a moment. So like I say, be ready to turn around. When I study these, this parable, which is foundational to all the parables, it's the first parable Jesus gave with an interpretation, and all the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, have this particular parable with the interpretation. And so this is foundational to the parables, I believe, in our understanding and helping us to understand the others as well. So Luke chapter 8, as we begin, let's just read together verse number 11. Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Let's read that together. Here we go. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Let's pray. So thank You, Lord, for Your Word today that we gather together to hear. O great Creator, our gracious Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts by faith. O Father of lights, with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning, we come to You today, our great triune God, and we thank You for Your Word and pray that You would now bring forth fruitfulness a hundredfold from our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, without a doubt, we know what the Word is in this parable. The, the seed is. The seed in this parable is the Word of God. And wherever the seed is sown in this parable, whether on the wayside soil, the rocky soil, the thorny ground soil, or the good soil, the seed is the same. It's the Word of God. And thank God He loves the whole world. He loves those who have wayside hearts. He loves those who have rocky hearts. He loves those whose lives are filled with thorns and weeds. And He loves those who bring forth fruit. The problem in this parable is not with the seed. The seed is the same in each case. But in three of the soils, there's no fruit found. 
In the good soil, there are three levels of fruitfulness. Some brought forth thirty, some sixty, some hundredfold. What kind of heart do you want to be? <laughs> A hundredfold heart. That should be our desire. The Bible should give us a thirst for this, even as we read this. Yes, Lord, I don't want to be the wayside soil heart. I don't want to be the rocky heart. I don't want to be that thorny ground heart. I don't even want to be the 30 or 60 ground that's good. I want to be the hundredfold. The Word of God. Now, to bring forth that fruit and the theme of our of this parable and of this message is having the heart to hear and understand the Bible. Now, go back to Matthew 13. I just want to show you how I established that thought and that theme of this parable. And it's at the beginning of the interpretation in Matthew. If you go to Matthew 13, verse 18. And you know, if I were going to name this parable, I would call it the parable of the, the soil. Because it's really about four different kinds of soil. But Jesus knows best what to call it, and he didn't call it that. So I'll go with Jesus. He calls it the parable in verse number 18 of what? The sower. He actually names it for us. So let's stick with what Jesus said there. The parable of the sower. Here it is. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and what's the next few words there? Understandeth it not. So, that's the problem of the, ultimately, that's the problem of the soil that does not bring forth fruit. They hear, but they do not understand in order to have the burden to live it out. The good soil, verse number 23, but he that received, Matthew 13, 23, are you there? It says, but he that received seed into the good ground is he that what? Hears the word and understandeth it. Now remember when we did the parable of the, the two builders? The foolish builder and the wise? Remember, the fool, you remember that? They, they both heard the Word. But in that situation, their difference was the fool didn't do what he heard and the wise man did what he heard. And here, a key to Actually, doing what we hear is understanding with our hearts. And that requires faith. That requires salvation. That requires you knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way. And my conviction about God's Word in general, and I learned this the day I got saved. The one who led me to the Lord bought me a Bible. He presented that Bible to me on the steps of a little church outside of Clemson University where I was saved down in South Carolina. And I'll never forget the gold edges of that Bible were shining in the sun. And it was as if the Bible was, was full of light. And it is, isn't it? And I went home that day and I started reading in the Gospel of Matthew. And God just did something in my heart through His Word that day. And from that day till now, I've just not been able to put the Bible down. Amen. Just reading it every day. And so when God's Word connects with our heart, because we have a believing heart, 
and one with the Holy Spirit teaching us the Word, this meets the deepest needs of our life. I'm convinced of that. That's why I say, read the Word, stay in the Word, be in God's Word, and let God speak to your heart. God wants to speak to you. If, If that doesn't excite you, I mean, I don't know what to say. The One who created the heavens and the earth wants a personal relationship with you. And you can have such a relationship with Him through the Word of God. So the big idea of this parable is that we need to hear and understand God's Word so we can bring forth fruit unto God. And there's, there's four keys. Now we dealt with the first two last week. So just very quickly, I'm just going to hit these first two points. And if you, are, if you want to follow along in the notes, the notes are in the bulletin on pages 9 and actually a few pages. But we looked last week at the first kind of heart, which was the wayside soil. And so what we said from that is we don't want to be that kind of heart. We want to be the opposite of that hard wayside soil where the birds came down and de- trampled it and, and, and devoured the seed as soon as it was sown. And the bird represents what? What did Jesus say the bird represents? The wicked one, Satan. He initially comes. As soon as the seed is sown, Satan will come along and try to take that word out of your heart. So if you're here today and you're not saved and no interest in what I'm saying, you know what that means? That means by the time you get home today, you'll have forgotten everything that I just said. (laughs) Because Satan will just immediately come and take it away. But on the other hand, we need a believing heart. We need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need, when we hear the Word, we need to prepare for warfare against the devil who will ever seek to steal God's Word. That's the first thing we said. The second thing we talked about last week was the, then the rocky heart. And we don't want a rocky heart. We want the opposite of a rocky heart, which is a tender heart. And so, the seed on that rocky soil, initially, what did it do? It brought forth, it started to spring up, and it's like, oh wow, it's going to be a very fruitful branch. But there was... No moisture, no depth, the seed had no, it couldn't put down its roots, and therefore it quickly withered away. How many people are like that? They hear the word, and you think, oh, they believe. Oh, they're saved. But then, a month later, they're gone. Back to the old way of life. When someone is truly saved in Jesus Christ, I believe this, God doesn't let go of you, and because of that, you won't let go of Him. You've been, as it were, apprehended by the great God of heaven and earth, and because you've been arrested by Him, you want to get to know Him more and more. With a tender heart, reading God's Word. You will be prepared then to face all the external pressures because there will be pressure in this life. Tribulations and afflictions and temptations. And they are real. And Satan will try to use, you to dis- use those things to discourage you. But let those things build you up in the faith and trust God through all of the trials and pressures of life. And you can overcome them with a tender heart. So today we want to move to this third kind of soil. 
And this is the soil on the, the ground that's full of thorns and weeds. Matthew, it says in verse 22, it says, He that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. The care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So we don't want that kind of heart that's full of thorns and weeds. We want the opposite of that. And so I'm calling that an undistracted heart. Not distracted with all the things of this world. So this seed planted in the thorny ground, what happened to it? It was planted. Did it come up? Yeah, it came up. It looked like it might even bring forth fruit. But because it was surrounded with thorns, the thorns choked that seed. And it's kind of interesting how each, how the seed comes under attack. The, the seed comes under attack through the devil, directly. The seed can come under attack through all the pressures and trials of life. The hard ground, the stony ground. But here the seed comes under attack really in two levels, both in the soil, because the weeds and thorns are putting down their roots into that soil, but also above the soil, where let's say a vine could wrap itself around that fruitful branch and choke it from above. So, so really, this danger of the thorny soil... The seed is under attack both underneath the ground and above the ground. And it speaks of the distractions of life. The seed is strangled both under the ground and above the ground. Choked. It's like if somebody were to choke you and the air could not pass through your throat, you cannot breathe. And that is what all the distractions of this world will do with the Word of God. They will choke you so you will not have breath to seek God, to get in His Word, and understand His Word. Now, I, I have studied weeds a lot. This is my front yard. And I'm the only one on my block that has grass. <laughs> Everybody else has given up and they have concrete. So... I don't want to say I'm proud of my grass, but I am. Okay, no. Because I know when I go to Brazil, it's going to burn up and I won't have any grass when I get back because it requires constant attention of watering it. And even while I'm watering my grass, I'm weeding it all the time. You know, I have to weed my grass, not just the garden, the grass. Because if I don't weed the grass, the weeds will take over. The same weeds I picked last year, guess what? They're back. I didn't plant weed seed. I plant grass seed and fertilizer, and I water the grass, and what grows naturally? Weeds. Where do they come from? I learn a lot about weeds. And I know this about weeds. If you only pick the top of the weed, guess what? It's going to grow back. You've got to go and you've got to get 
the root out. You know that. And you do the same with sin. You've got to get the root out. Or it's going to come right on back. And it's going to come back even more powerful because if you didn't get the root out, guess what? When it grows back, the root is bigger. <laughs> now, some, every weed is different. Some weeds I can't just pick from the top because I know the roots are stubborn like a dandelion. You gotta get, I gotta get my little shovel out, I gotta dig down, and I have to get that, that thicker root of the dandelion. Other, other roots, I know I could just pick them from the top. And here's the thing when there's a root in my yard, the best way to get all of it out is get it right away. Because if I see, oh, that's just a little weed in my yard. Is it going to go away? It's not going. It's going to get what? It's going to get bigger. So I might as well just get it when it's little. So that's what we got to do with sin. If there's a sinful thought, if there's a sinful spirit of jealousy or envy or pride or unforgiveness or bitterness, get it at that first thought. Pull it out. Don't let your life be distracted by the weeds, because once they're there, they're there. And they're going to... Here's another thing I learned about weeds. There's new weeds every year. I was like, I never even saw this mushroom weed before. I have mushroom weeds this year. I never saw them before in my grass. I'm just... You know, you know what I like about mushroom weeds? I kick them. I get out of my yard. Just kick them out. You know? And uh, so I have fun when I'm water in my grass, connecting with that, that sense that I'm a child of Adam. God put him in a garden, you know, so I'm connecting with my garden, my roots in the garden of Eden. And, but, but there's weeds, beloved, in this life. And weeds are a, a signal of neglect. If I let the weeds grow in my yard, I had a terrible weed, the clover leaf weed. That's a really vicious weed. You know what that weed is? The clover? Now, kids like the clover. They look for a four-leaf clover. I hate the cloverleaf weed. Because not only does it go straight down very deep, but then once it's on the surface, it moves like this, and it wraps itself all around the grass, and it chokes out the grass. And so it, it just will take over your whole yard. So you've got to go after those weeds. You have to be very persistent at it because they do keep coming back. So here's my, this is my front patch. A little garden over there. And it takes really quite a bit of work to, to do that little bit. I just have a little bit of grass, but I do enjoy it in urban life. It, it keeps me somewhat sane. At times. But, beloved, we need to have an undistracted heart. The weeds in this story picture distractions. And go to, let's go over back, go to Mark chapter 4. We didn't go to Mark, so let's look at what Mark says about this parable. And there's three special weeds that Jesus himself tells us about. In this passage, three specific kinds of weeds. <clears throat> and these weeds all picture for us distractions of this world. 
Because the distractions of this world are like weeds in our soul. They take our mind and our attention off of the Lord. And the Word of God cannot grow when those weeds take over. You see, the thing with weeds is that there's only a certain amount of nourishment in the soil. Right? You know, you could have good dirt. Obviously, you can have good dirt based on what we're looking at. The wayside, the rocky, the thorny ground soil. The good soil. You have good dirt. Good dirt means there's nourishment there. And it's not filled with hard rocks. And it's, it's, it's not hard. It's so that the root could go down. So good dirt. We want to have a heart that is a good and honest heart. But the point is, there's only a certain amount of nourishment in the soil. And if the weeds get the nourishment, what doesn't? Whatever you're trying to grow, the fruit you're trying to grow, doesn't get the nourishment and it will get choked. And so your life is like that. You only have a certain amount of what? Of time. You only have a certain amount of time. And if you're overly distracted with all the stuff of life, and we're in a world of distraction. I mean, come on, let's face it. I get so distracted sometimes. I'm preaching to myself. Like, I'll go, I'll honestly open up my computer and say, oh, I'm going to look up this verse. And I say, oh, well, let me check my email first. <laughs> and then... And then, and then I see, oh, an email, oh, it's, the, it's a news story. Oh, that looks interesting. Uh, so I start looking at that, and then I see another, new, oh, that looks interesting. And by the time I, I looked at three news stories, I'm like, what was I doing in the first place? Has that ever happened to you? We get so distracted with so many different things. You, I mean, video games are huge distractions. You, you heard what happened this week. Uh well-known person online. I don't even know how to say his name. Kai Sinat. How do you say his name? Kai, Kai who? Sinat. Okay, Kai Sinat. Am I saying? He was going to give away Playstations and everything. And before you know it, there are thousands of young people gathered in Union Square. And, and there was like such a riot, they had to arrest a whole bunch of people because people just get distracted. Oh, I get a free Playstation 5. We live in a world of distractions, beloved. And when we're overly committed to those distractions, the Word of God will be choked out. You won't give the time you need. You've got to take time. So the three thorns that Jesus speaks of, Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 4, verse number 19, He says, they hear the Word, but the three things, the cares of this world, that's the worries of life. The deceitfulness of riches, that's wealth's deceit. And the lust of other things, that's worldliness. So that's how I've categorized those three things Jesus spoke about. The worries of life, wealth's deceit, worldliness. Choke the Word. They will choke the Word. And it will become unfruitful. So just think of this first one. The cares of this life. That's what Jesus said. So I asked, let me ask you. What? 
are you worrying about that's distracting you from spending time to hear the Word of God and so that you can understand it and do it and live it out and find joy in the Lord? What are you worrying about? Is it sometimes okay to worry? What do you think? Is it sometimes okay to worry about your finances? Your kids? Your marriage? Is it okay to worry? What did Jesus say over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, take no thought. And that's the word worry. Same word. Anxiety. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about those things. What did Paul say? Philippians 4.6. You know the verse. Be anxious for nothing. But... There's a solution. When, okay, when you're tempted to worry, now how many of you worry? Let me see your hand. A bunch of you liars out there don't want to raise your hand. Okay, just kidding. So not only are you worriers, but you're liars. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. I'm just joking. Okay. Be anxious for nothing. We have something better to do when we're tempted to, and all of us are going to worry about things. My wife right now has really bad sciatic pain. And I'm naturally worried about her. She's sleeping on the floor with her legs up on the couch just so she can sleep. This morning I woke up at 5 and I could hear her kind of like... She has a beautiful little snore. When she snores so beautiful, it puts me right to sleep. I was like, oh, she's sleeping? I could sleep. But... When I heard that, I was like, I, I don't want to wake her up. So I just kind of went back in the room and I prayed. And, and then when she woke up, I got up. But the thing is, I'm, I'm worried about that, humanly speaking. But I need to be praying for her. Because my worry is not going to do one thing to make her better. But my prayers will. <laughs> so whenever we're tempted to worry, pray. Take no thought for your life. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The first thing, the worries of life, is a thorn that will distract you from hearing and understanding the Word of God. The second thorn is, is the wealth of this world. Wealth deceit. He says the deceitfulness of riches. Wealth can so easily deceive us and we can think, if I just had more money, all my problems will be gone. That's a lie. You just have new problems. Money will solve some problems, no doubt. But money does create problems, too. You've heard the expression, the almighty dollar. Think about that. What? The almighty dollar? The dollar's not almighty. God is almighty. No thing is almighty. <laughs> Only God is. Another expression. Money talks. You've heard that. Now, in a way, I can understand where that's true. But take out a dollar bill and talk to it. See if it says anything back. Now, it does tell you on it, it says either 10 or 1 or 5 or 100. I mean, so it tells you what it is. So, okay, I know you can argue with me. 
But when, I, when the idea of money talks, if you are in a problem and you need help, you can't talk to... Money's not going to talk to you and give you comfort. <laughs> but go to God and open up His Word. And God will speak to you. Money does not talk as much as we talk about it and tell lies to ourselves regarding it. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says the deceitfulness of riches. We tell ourselves lies about what money can do for us. And then many times we forsake God. Oh, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to go to church. I've got to focus on making more money because that's the problem that I have in my life. I don't have enough of it. We need more of God. The second thorn that Jesus brings out here is the deceitfulness of riches. We need to listen to what Jesus is saying. How are you being deceived or are you being deceived with money right now? Are you letting money take over your life like a bad weed? And you say, well, I just well, I tried to pick it out, but you didn't get the root. <laughs> the root is the love of money is the root of all evil. The third thorn that Jesus references here is, it says here in Mark chapter 4, the lusts of other things. And Luke uses a word, the pleasures of life. And I've summarized that to say worldly lusts. By the way, have you ever heard the word hedonism? Hedonism? You know that word, hedonism? It actually comes from the Greek language, from the word used in Mark's Gospel when it says the word pleasures. And it's, our English word comes from that original language word, hedonism. Pleasures of life, lusts for things of this world, worldliness. You know what hedonism is, the pleasures of life, the lusts of other things. You can lust after all kinds of things. You can lust after drugs and sexual things or alcohol, but you could also lust after just food itself. You could lust after more sleep that you don't need. You could lust after all kinds of things. There's an infinite... By the way, you know, there's actually an infinite number of things you could lust after. (laughs) And there's an infinite number of things you can worry about. I, I, I went online, actually, and I, I, I looked up the, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual and Psychiatry, and, and what they say about anxieties. You know how many anxieties there are? You can't count them. There's no, there's no way to count the number of worries that we can have. There's so many different kinds of worry routes. And there's so many different kinds of Lust roots. What lust is taking your attention away from the Word of God? Is it television? Is it social media? If I said to a young person, even like YouTube, I think YouTube's old. They always come up with new... Now it's, it's TikTok or it's... Maybe TikTok's old now. I can't even keep up with all this stuff they come up to distract us with. Am I right? There's so many distractions. The, the smartphone is making us so dumb and distracted. And we're getting away from reading the Word of God. Don't let 
a smartphone make you spiritually ignorant? Because it will. Or all of this social gaming stuff. Gaming online. Playing this game and that game. Even if it's a decent game. Okay, play it. It's okay. I'm not saying you can't have things in certain balance. But balance! That means spend time in God's Word so you can read and what? Understand what you're reading so you can bring forth fruit. You know these verses. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this. And Paul uses there the word, the age that we're in. Not cosmos, but the age that we're in. Do not be conformed to to the way of thinking of this particular age of our culture. Let God's Word shape your thinking. Love not the world. That's the word cosmos, 1 John chapter 2. Neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, the what? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And John tells us that the world is passing away. All of the stuff in this cosmos that we're in, and all of the lust of this world, it's all going to pass away. But you know what's not? The Word of God. Amen. It will abide forever. So that's why we shouldn't be distracted by it. Because it, it it's not going to make any difference in eternity whether you saw that TikTok video or not. You're not going to be in heaven and say, oh, did you see that TikTok? (laughs) What? James tells us, James 4.4, friendship with the world is enmity, hatred with God. Do you hate God? You do if you love the world. If you love the lust and the pride and all the things of this world and you're not taking time to read the Word of God and understand it. So, what you do to read your Bible, this is just practical and quick, so if you're taking these notes, do it fast. Ask questions when you read the Bible. Ask questions. So, there's an acronym, I didn't think of it myself, but it's put your specs on. S-P-E-C-K-S. Put your specs on. The S is, say it with me, is there a sin I need to forsake? P, is there a promise I need to claim? E, is there an example I need to follow? The the Bible has great examples or an example for me not to follow. Depending if you're reading about King Saul in the Old Testament or the prophet Elijah? One, you're, is it a positive example? The other is a negative. Is there an example? C, is there a command for me to obey? K, is there something of God, a knowledge of God for me that I need to praise Him for? Is there something about God here that the Lord wants me to know? And I love what Jeremiah said when he said, let not the rich man glory in his riches or the wise man to glory 
in his own wisdom, but he that glorieth, glorieth in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That we know God and his, in his character and in his nature. And S, is there a stumbling block I need to avoid? So put your specs on. Ask questions when you read the Bible. As God speaks to you, talk back. In a good way, talk back to Him. <laughs> Not like you talk back to your parents. But talk back. Ask questions of the Lord. So that's the specs. Sin to confess, promise to claim, example to follow, command to obey, knowledge about God to know, stumbling block to avoid. The fourth thing, quickly, is we need to cultivate an understanding heart. Luke says an honest and good heart. Having heard the Word, he keeps it and brings forth fruit with patience. Matthew says, they that hear the Word and understand it. Mark here says in Mark chapter 4, since we're in Mark, these are they that are sown on the good ground, such as hear the Word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Go to Luke, please, chapter 8. Why don't we go back to Luke chapter 8? Because notice how Luke puts it here. In Luke chapter 8, verse 15, he says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. Okay, so Satan's not coming along and stealing it. The weeds aren't coming along and choking it. It's not getting destroyed by the by the sun because there's no root, but they keep it. And the, the roots go down and the shoot goes up. And then it says, and then Jesus says, they keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Fruit with patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And Matthew says they bring forth fruit to perfection. Perfection. You know the interesting thing about fruit is sometimes when it says fruit to perfection, because you know I like peaches. Everybody's bringing me peaches this time of year. That's all right. Keep bringing them on. If they're not perfect, that's okay, because it's hard to get a good peach around here, but I've actually found a few. But nevertheless, the idea of a peach is I could be in the store and think, oh, that's a beautiful peach. It looks so nice on the outside. I bring it home, and it's hard. I wait for it to get ripe, but then all of a sudden it just... It's rotten from the inside. You ever get a peach like that? It's just rotten from the inside. And, but it looks so nice. It was, it, the, the tree brought forth fruit, but not unto perfection. But, oh, Brother Smith brought me some peaches from South Carolina. Now, they were to perfection. Beautiful, yellow, juicy. Oh, I remember when I went to Greece one time in the ninth grade, and I still remember this vividly. We were out in the country, and there was a waterfall, and the water was coming down the mountains, and it was fresh water, and they said, here, we have these peaches. And they were like as big as grapefruits. And I sunk my teeth into those peaches, and the, the juice were just running down my... Oh, I was like, oh! I was like, enjoying those peaches! Fruit to perfection! What kind of fruit? Are you bringing forth? Are you bringing forth the love of Jesus? Are you bringing forth patience? Are you bringing forth peace that passes understanding? So, here's the 30-fold... And this, this is just a suggestion. I'm not saying that. Actually, 
I, I thought about whether I should even do it this way because I'm not saying the Bible teaches this is 30-fold, this is 60. I'm just saying, let's just look at it this way. It's a way to look at it, okay? But the idea of a 30-fold I put here is one who hears and reads and then he does the Word. And do you know what? If you hear the Word and you do the Word and, and, and you read the Word, what does it say in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3? What's the first word of Revelation chapter 1, verse 3? Remember that word? You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. Do you know if you read the Bible, you'll be happy? Not if you, not if you get a raise on your job. No, if you read the Bible. Uh, I'm not, a raise on your job will make you happy. But I'm saying, spiritually speaking, the Bible says, Blessed is he that reads, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. The time is at hand. And so, beloved, I'm here to say that God has given us His Word, and His Word will make us happy when we bring forth fruit. Just like that peach in Greece made me happy. Sixtyfold. I suggest maybe that's going beyond just hearing it and reading it, but meditate on the Word and memorize the Word of God. Take that next step. Let God's Word change your thinking and abide in your thoughts. Think God's thoughts. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And do you know what the psalmist said? You know the psalm. Psalm 1, the foundation of all the psalms of praise to God is get your mind right. And the first word of Psalm 1 is what? Blessed. You know what that word means? It means needing nothing because you're happy. Happy is the man. Not because he's walking with all the ungodly people, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So, by meditating, sinking your, the roots of your mind into God's Word, you'll bring forth fruit with patience unto perfection. Meditate on the Word. And you're going to be what? What's the first word of Psalm 1? You'll be happy. Isn't that amazing? You'll be happy if you meditate on the Bible. Do you believe that? I didn't say it. God, this is God. This is what God says. Are you meditating on the Word? And then the hundredfold, as a suggestion, I say study, then study the Word. And I, I would just say it this way, like to prepare a sermon, I need to read the Word and hear the Word. I need to meditate on the Word, but then I need to study it. And I think that's like another level where you're going to get, you're going to do check cross-references you're going to understand what every word in that verse means. You're going to look up definitions. You say, well, I, 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 don't, I, I didn't go to Bible college. No, you don't have to go to Bible college. You just need to go to Blue Letter Bible. <laughs> you don't need Bible college. You need Blue Letter Bible. little commercial for that website. Go to Blue Letter Bible and I'll show you how to use it in ten minutes. I'll sit with you right out there and we'll go. I'll show you how you can look up words, how you can do word studies, how you can look up cross-references, how you can find definitions of words. 
and how you can even learn Greek and it won't even it won't hurt you a bit. <laughs> Study the word and then preach the word. So as we close, go to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Study so that you can proclaim and tell others of Jesus. Witness of Christ. You know, serving God is joy. What does the song say? There is joy in serving Jesus. Isn't that true? I remember the first time I did a Bible study, I was, I was on a job, and I, I just put up a sign for a, a noontime Bible study, and I couldn't believe it. People came. <laughs> I was so nervous, but I did the Bible study, whatever I, I did. But I just remember after that, I just had the, my heart was just so full of joy and serving the Lord. And it was through that that God called me to preach. The joy of the Lord through serving Him and proclaiming Christ and preaching His Word. Verse 5 of Psalm 126. Can you read verse 5 and 6 with me? It says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So, as we looked at the 30-fold, the 60-fold, the 100-fold, what I'm saying is, as you hear the Word and read the Word and do the Word, you'll be happy. As you meditate on the Word and memorize the Word, you'll be what? Happy as you preach the word and you go forth and witness for Christ, you come back with rejoicing and happiness. The word of God will make us truly filled with joy. Amen. So, do you have a believing heart, a tender heart, an undistracted heart, and a heart that understands the word? Let's stand together as we pray. As you stand, Jesus said to everyone that has ears, ears to hear. There's one man deaf in our church today, but he can hear through our sign interpreter. But do you have ears? Then hear. Let him hear. So I ask you to just search your own heart for a moment and ask, is God's Word taking deep root in my heart? And if not, is Satan stealing it away? Or is your heart so hard the Word of God can't take root? Your heart is dry. Do you have a believing heart? Do you have a tender heart? Or is your heart so distracted? But I have good news. The Word of God is like the hammer that can break the rock in pieces. The Word of God can break up our fallow ground. So we can say, Lord, You are my God. And I will trust in You. And I will not be shaken. I will not be moved by the lesser lights of this world. And make this your prayer today. 
Lord Jesus. May your word take deep root in my heart so that I can understand it and bring forth fruit a hundredfold. By your mighty spirit, break up the fallow ground that no rocks remain so that you can bring forth fruit a hundredfold. Lord, pluck up the thorns of deceit, of worry, of worldliness, of wealth's trickery, that I would bring forth fruit to you, even a hundredfold, for your glory, that others would see my good works and glorify you. So, Lord, work, we pray. Is there anyone here who would say, Pastor Matt, I'm a Christian, but I've not been spending time in the Word. Maybe you've been having trouble trying to understand what you're reading. That's okay. Keep reading. But take that time and let God's Word sink down into your soul and pray and ask the Lord to teach you. But how many would say, Pastor Matt, I've not been taking the time I need to spend in the Word of God. Pray for me that I would spend time in God's Word and not be distracted by the things of this world. You've been distracted. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone you say, yes, Pastor, pray. Just put your hand up and say, Lord, help me. Speak to my heart. Fill my mind. Satisfy my soul with your words. Thank you to put your hands down. Is there anyone, one last question. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not saved. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. If I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. But I want to know, I want to know how I could go to heaven through Jesus Christ. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor, pray for me? Can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that? So now, Lord, take your word. Apply it to our lives. And we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.